What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. Skybox is the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has propelled Skybox to the top of the industry and has been tested and refined through years of wisdom, trial and error, and experience. These guys have it all. NASCAR, golf, baseball, basketball, whatever you want. They've got a package to fit your needs. If you're into the sports wagering game, you really need to go check these guys out. You could do a daily pass for 10 bucks with my promo code RIPPY. That's 20% off. Believe that's eight bucks. Don't check the math on me there. And you can just try it out for the day. I would recommend doing a season pass. They have sports centric week long passes. They have sports specialized monthly passes. You could do a season of picks. It's just really up to you. They have all kinds of packages to fit your needs. They've got all kinds of cool gear. They've got helpful articles to help you. Uh, kind of find value in different things. You need to go check these guys out. I wouldn't steer you the wrong way. If you are into the wagering game, you need to go see Skybox Sport Picks. They just put up their draft guide or their draft gambling guide, I should say. They are not uh, Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper. They're the Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper of Las Vegas yesterday. And if you're interested in wagering on the NFL draft, I would recommend going and checking this out. It's fantastic stuff. Again, use the promo code RIPPY and you'll get 20% off. Go check them out, Skybox Sports Picks. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. I don't even have to do a read. It's another Wednesday Grill Corner. If you're still going to Kroger after listening to the Grill Corner, then I can't really help you. Greg and I got into your questions, a lot of different topics, and some horse racing at the end with the Kentucky Derby going on. So that's, uh, that's interesting. I always have a good time talking to Greg because I don't know anything about meat. He is very good at uh, answering your questions related to grilling, smoking. I think you'll enjoy this podcast. We got into the art of sous vide, uh, different types of duck, all kinds of stuff, why bacon is good on everything and PETA can shove it. We, uh, we covered it all. So check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. I was going to do an open on Ole Miss firing offensive line coach Randy Clements. I'll probably just save that for the Friday show with Colin. I'll obviously write about it in the newsletter today as well. So probably saving that instead of doing an open on it. So we're just going to get straight into the grill corner. Let's roll. Rippy writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. All right, we now welcome on the Meat Sharp himself, LB's Greg. He's back for another edition of Grill Corner. We'll get into your questions that you sent either via the newsletter at rippywrites.substack.com. Go sign up for Meat Steals today. Uh, maybe hit me up on Twitter. I got it some from a couple other places as well. Uh, what's up, man? Oh, man, just uh, getting ready for the Kentucky Derby this weekend. And uh, we've got South Carolina and graduation in town. So, so uh, yeah, big weekend uh, ready to go down. I'm going to ask you a stupid question on the spot. Are you going? I feel like you told me that in the past. Am I going to the Kentucky Derby? Yes. No, I wish that I was going to the Kentucky Derby. I, uh, I have to feed Ole Miss uh, Friday and Saturday. And then we're feeding South Carolina Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, my presence is, uh, is required in Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. So I actually meant to ask you this last time when, you were, when we were talking. I think you're talking about feeding Arkansas and a couple other clubs. So like, what goes in – we'll start with Ole Miss. What goes into feeding Ole Miss? Is it any different than the away club? Like what's that process like? Well, Ole Miss is always very basic because they just want as much food possible and uh, they just want the food hot. And uh, they actually, whenever they moved to, over to the uh, first baseline, they uh, extended out the uh, kind of like the uh, training room. So they actually have a, um, 
a industry warmer. So I literally can do all of their food and I literally can like deliver it at eight 30 and they can just put it in the warmer. It stays hot. And so whenever the uh, managers uh, set it up for them at, at the uh, bottom of the ninth inning or top of the ninth inning, it's always hot. Now <clears throat> this weekend uh, we had LSU in town and man, uh, you know, I get it. And uh, you know, kind of whatever the head coach goes with and, you know, you have to go with. So, uh, Coach Maneri from LSU would like 48 individual spaghettis, 48 individual pasta salads, and 48 individual garden salads. So uh, that was a lot of work. I've never gotten into the point where I got nervous about not being, you know, delivering the food on time and whatnot because, you know, I don't want to serve them cold food. You know, whenever they get done playing a game, the last thing they want to do is open up a container full of cold food. So um, I kind of, kind of uh, pled and begged for the, uh, to the LSU guys, like, please just let me do the buffet. But, uh, you know, Maneri wanted uh, them to get off the bus, take their food and go straight into their room. So with that being said, we literally had to do all individual things. And that was a lot of work. You should have told Maneri to take that shit to nukes. What, uh, how do you individually package that? Well, I mean, you know, um, you know, un, uh, we are not a Nukes and we're not a McAllisters. And so uh, exactly. it's, me, it's me, Zach, and my mom. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're at the store grinding, you know. So uh, with that being said, my, my mom got individual salad containers and individual I had little small half pint cups. I mean, yeah, it was a disaster. But um, I ended up calling South Carolina and I caught, you know, because I'm feeding them. And they wanted the, kind of the same thing. And I literally called them Saturday. I was like, hey, look, man, this whole individual thing, you know, I, it's a, it was a smooth disaster. And I just – my thing is, is, like, you got my number, you know, because we feed Ole Miss and, like, you need to let us feed, old, you know, South Carolina like we feed Ole Miss because it's just a long story short, the guy ended up agreeing with me. They just told me that they have – the school has a policy where the player can't fix his own – plate that sounds like we would prefer to have individual stuff so i'm going to throw some made up ncaa policy school policy jargon to see if you'll take the bait yeah so uh we're, we got it worked out to where uh me and two other managers uh this uh friday and saturday are going to be hand serving um south carolina baseball players after the game's over which I have no problem with doing – I just – I'd much rather do that where it's guaranteed hot, fresh food versus individual containers that were packed up at like 8.30 or 8.45 and the game was over at 10.15. Yeah, you should have given Maneri a blank, uh, a blank individual package. Well, like, uh, sorry, is LB's factory malfunction? Oh, no, it's not a problem. He got, uh, he got the message whenever he got that invoice that he probably didn't see that he paid for. So, it's all good. Uh, uh, yeah. We took care of that for sure. Hell yeah, sticking with the wallet. Last thing before we move on into what we were getting into today, what's the prep like for that? Like, are you offering different – so when, when they say they need to be fed and individual packaging and all that crap aside, when they say they need food, like what are your options and then how long does that take to prep? No, I mean, you know, and all honestly, uh, I, I, for some strange reason, I've been, this is my sixth year to cook for Ole Miss and I've kind of got it down to a T. Um, they really kind of want to keep it basic, just as basic as possible because they're trying to keep within a budget. Um, I usually either do uh, barbecue meatloaf. 
or uh, the bacon wrap pork loin. So what I do is just trim out four whole loins, wrap them in bacon. I usually just put them in the oven for a little bit and then smoke them for about an hour and a half and then just let them sit in there to where it gets to the proper temperature. And then once it gets to that proper temperature, which is going to be about 155 degrees, I slice it, put it in the pan, dribble some Hoover sauce and barbecue, put tinfoil on it and just let it sit in the oven. So, uh, but yeah, Ole Miss is pretty basic. They either want chicken spaghetti, uh, ribeye sausage spaghetti, uh, chicken Alfredo or meatloaf or hamburger steaks, ribs, or the bacon wrapped pork loin. So all these people that you know, used to come in to LBs for our plate lunches, like that's what they used to get for plate lunches. And that's kind of one of our, one of the reasons why uh, the plate lunches were so popular because it was just really good stuff. So, uh, and then they're very basic. They just want loaded mashed potatoes or mac and cheese um, or the green beans and uh, smoked baked beans. So it's pretty basic, man. That's interesting. I've always wondered how you actually did that and prepared that. Speaking of, you said plate lunches were good. Do, do I smell a comeback on the horizon? I don't want to put. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we uh, when when we originally opened up the store, you know, we did the plate lunches strictly to have foot traffic from eleven to two thirty. You know, because not a lot of people are buying steaks at eleven o'clock, ten thirty in the morning. So, kind of just invented the plate lunch as a foot traffic for early uh, or early afternoon traffic before. People actually come in at three to four o'clock to go and get their steaks if they're cooking out that night. So with that being said, man, it was me that was cooking the food. So, I mean, it's, uh, uh, I'm not sitting here saying that, no, I shouldn't do it, but it's just hard for me to cook 20 to 25, you know, for 20 to 25 people and we get five or six people in and I've just got a lot of food left over and I'm sitting here scratching my head, you know, maybe either getting on Twitter or feed the police department or, feeding the fire department I just you know I'm just trying not to waste food and just trying to be smart with my situation and uh with theirs with there only being one other meat market in town you know we just gotta shoot uh shoot our shot at the meat market and not do uh compete against all the 85 restaurants in Oxford now and uh, that, that makes sense are the other meat market are you talking about the the k-word yeah, uh, but well, no, I, I don't even call Kroger a meat market, man. I mean, like, they just, I mean, they don't, I mean, Larson's actually, you know, does some uh, cutting of their own steaks and stuff. And then um, Chicory Market, they do with uh, Home Place Pastures. So, I mean, there's other places that you can get meat. And I think Brown Dairy Farm started their own meat processing and stuff. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's a market that needs to be tapped in. And I feel like every town in america should have at least two or three meat markets to you know shop and choose for where they get their meat from blasphemy the only one you should go to is lb's university avenue across and i'm about to prove why you ready to get into this i'm ready we've had so many people come in and get those uh ten dollar 16 ounce prime strips i mean it's the best deal in america i think absolutely dude people are pumped about that on the newsletter i appreciate it as always i know the listeners do as well and I know they appreciate Grill Corner because I got several requests to do a second one and people kind of pissed off they missed questions last time. Maybe I should just start asking for questions a little sooner uh, rather than Tuesday of the day of. But we did get some again. So let's start with, hmm, here we go. What's your favorite wood, choice of wood for smoking? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm assuming that's the question from Dan uh, up in Maryland. Yes. Are these the people yeah. that don't know how to eat? 
No. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, Dan and uh, Chris, they're, uh, uh, I would say, my partners uh, in the horse uh, business um, up there in Maryland. And uh, I sent them a little care package and was, you know, just kind of like, you know, put it in your freezer and y'all, you know, thaw it out and cook it whenever you want. Well, they end up eating the whole box and cooking the whole box. And uh, we got a horse name out of the whole gig. So uh, it was pretty cool that that happened too. Um, they all got the meat sweats and he posted on Twitter. So, hey, everybody got the meat sweats. Thanks to Greg Jones and LB's Meat Market in Oxford, Mississippi. So we looked it up in the, uh, in the book and meat sweats is available. So I think we might be naming a horse uh, meat sweats. That is an awesome name. I'm glad to hear that that actually came to fruition. If that guy, I, you're going to get more, not that it matters to you per se, but you're going to get more money coming on that horse just from the name alone. I promise because people with stupid brains like me will 100% see that and be like, oh, meat sweats. That sounds Yeah, awesome. for sure. I mean, you know, if, if, I, you know, if, I, um, if I owned a private jet company, you know, like Nicholas Air, I'd want something to do with it, like a jet or something, you know, but like, with me owning a meat market, like I would think uh, a pork, you know, pork chop or something good like meat sweats would be, you know, an ideal horse name for uh, for an owner of a horse that owns a meat market. Yeah, absolutely. It just, I think it would be a different, little bit different with the airline because like you wouldn't want to name the horse like engine trouble or something, but meat. Yeah, sweats. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so is no, that the English, question uh, though, that your guy asked, like, is that a, it, are there different choices of wood for smoking? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I'm going to answer it for him because there actually is like, there's a higher smoke wood, there's a medium smoke wood, and there's a lower kind of a fruity taster wood. The, uh, the high smoke is like uh, hickory and mesquite. That's, uh, you don't really need a lot of hickory or mesquite because it's such a potent wood. So, uh, but that's really good for red meat. Uh, so go with that on the, uh, on the red meat. I'm, I'm a big fan of pecan. Pecan's a very versatile wood that you can smoke with. A lot of pork, a lot of ribs, a lot of brisket. It's very mild wood, so it's very versatile whenever uh, you can do stuff like that with the pecan. And then uh, I always like to add either the, uh, the cherry or the apple. Um, it's, you know, you just make, mix it in with the pecan and get that, you know, flavor of the wood that you're smoking the meat. So, yes, there's actually, that's actually a, a real question for sure. How many different types of wood can you smoke stuff on? And then I'll parlay that into a two-parter. We were talking about the Traeger the last time we did a cruel corner. I know there's wood chips at the bottom of that. Are you buying specific kinds? No, uh, the Traeger actually has pellets. Okay, pellets. Um, so, different. Yeah. So, yeah, they actually come out with different flavors of pellets, uh, just like the different chips of uh, wood. But, um, you know, like I said, the hickory and the mesquite, that's a really stronger uh, uh, wood that's going to be real smoky. So you really don't need a lot of hickory or mesquite whenever you're smoking. But I, I mean, you can't go wrong. I love the pecan. And then you just add maybe a little cherry to go along with it or, or some maple to go with it and just have a really mild smoking meat. Um, because you really don't want to bite in. I mean, I would say if you smoked a brisket on with a lot of hickory, you're literally going, when you bite into the meat, you're literally going to taste the hickory, you know, the smoke from the hickory. So just really hard, uh, just a really hard wood. Absolutely. I was about to throw in a, that's what she said, but we've grown up and we're not doing that on this. Yeah, podcast. for sure. Yeah. Where are you getting, so where are you getting, whether it's pellets or wood chips, like where are you going? You to know, you can that? go to your local Ace, Ace Hardware has it and then uh, Lowe's and, 
Home Depot and everything like that in their grilling center. But I would probably recommend Ace. There actually has they have people that actually can help you out and answer uh, any questions like uh, that I just got asked. That's interesting. Is and then the last one before I move on for it. Do you have like different wood preferences if you're smoking different types of things, or you just have a wood? Yeah, preference? yeah. You like I said, if you want to do like a uh, a beef, I would probably do you know that mesquite or that hickory because it's a heavy smoke. But just don't you know straight do a bunch of hickory. It's 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 almost like a ratio of wood. You know, just regular reg like seventy five regular seventy five percent regular wood and then 25% hickory. That way that hickory is not so strong. That makes sense. The next question we have is from my old radio pal, Brian Haydad, who loves uh, Grill Corner and loves the, uh, loves the occasional smoked meat. He's asking for a good recipe for tri-tip. Yeah, man, tri-tip is, uh, is an awesome cut, and it's uh, one of my favorites. You know, it's very versatile. You can do a lot of things with it. You can, you know, make tacos with it. You can make fajitas with it. Or you can just literally uh, cook it perfectly to 125 and let it rest on 130 and just slice chunks off of it and eat it. Um, so with that being said, it just, uh, it's a matter of preference when it comes to seasoning uh, your tri-tip. I like uh, we, that Hoover sauce is very uh, what I like. I kind of have a uh, steak seasoning that I've made over the years that has kind of a coffee rub, cracked white pepper, so I like to really give a good hard char on my tri-tip to where it's super like kind of charred on the outside, but yet still like 120 to 125 in the middle. And then once I uh, get to 120 to 125 in the middle, I just let it rest and then just dribble that Hoover sauce on top of it. That sounds pretty good. And I know I bring this up every time someone asks a question about tri-tip, but when I was like dead middle of the pandemic, I was headed to my girlfriend's house and her dad's a big sous vide guy. And outside of the basics, uh, the sausage-wise that you gave me that made me like the most popular guy ever, you are like, you got to do the tri-tip if he wants to sous vide it. Um, so what, like, why, why was that like your natural instinct in that moment? Just like, yeah, if he, like I told him, I told you he had like a big deal, but he's big into sous videing stuff. Why does tri-tip translate well to that? Because it's a, you know, it's a thicker cut. So it's really hard to get that temperature perfect throughout the center. So Whenever you can sous vide something, you have a certain temperature that it's literally going to be at as soon as you take it out of the water. So I don't know how he liked his beef, but if I was sous videing a tri-tip, I would probably rock it at like 100 to 110, you know, basically like that, and then get my grill up to about 600 degrees, and then literally just char the hell out of it on each side for like two minutes and then let it rest. Because that way you can judge it out. A lot of restaurants do sous vide on steaks because when they get in a hurry, uh, it's hard to get a room temperature steak to 145 degrees, you know, in quick time. So um, that's why a lot of restaurants sous vide their steaks to where they have it at a particular temperature, you know, and they know how much it's going to take for each side to get to the uh, meat internal meat meat temperature that the uh, the customer wants. I was looking last time you answered a question the last time we did grill corner and I started looking at like different types of cuts of meat and where that comes from and like why they're cooked differently. So from what I understand, the tri tip is like a triangular bottom sirloin. Does that, is that right? Yeah, it's a piece off the sirloin. So there's two pieces off the sirloin that uh, is very popular and that we sell a lot of at LB's. So the tri tips on the bottom, the top butt of the sirloin is called the picanha. 
Um, it's actually, yeah. Okay. yeah, it's very, man, I love Picanha. It's a really awesome cut. Um, and if without, whenever uh, you take the fat off the Picanha, it's called a culotte. So uh, basically, it's just the top butt of the sirloin without fat. So there's a lot of different names. And, uh, you know, it's just you, you try to say sirloin because people know sirloin. If somebody walks in that doesn't have a clue what a bacani is, you're, and you just say, oh, this is a bacani. And they're like, a what? You know, and I'm like, it's a sirloin. You know, so you just try to keep it basic with the basic terms. That makes sense. What's uh, what kind of makes the tri-tip, I guess, unique? Like, why is that a popular one? Obviously, it's, it's, you know, the sirloin. The sirloin is the leanest part of the cow, so okay. um, it's it the the uh, the roast and the rump roast and everything. That's a tougher meat, so that's going to be more of a pot roast sort of thing to where you put it in your crock pot and just let it low and slow. The tri-tip, the picanha. Um, the culotte and everything like that, and the uh, is going to be something that you can actually low and slow on the grill and slice and eat almost like a steak. I got you. Well, you know, the next question we get to here is actually probably a good transition just because I brought up the sous vide aspect of it. We got an email question that says, What's Greg's opinion on sous vide cooking a piece of beef prior to finishing it on the grill? So, this is this is the part I found cool about learning about the sous vide thing this summer. Cause after you gave me all that meat to go over to Texarkana and he, you know, had a field day cooking it. It's the fact that because it's vacuum sealed, you can sous vide it and then stick it in the freezer. And then all you have to do is either throw it back out on the grill or throw it in a skillet. And it's good to go when you kind of pretty much put it on both sides for a couple minutes and it's good to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just got to remind yourself that you sous vide that for into a uh, terminal temperature of, 120 or whatever your sous vide in the product and so that's the only thing you need to remind yourself on that but yeah um it's, it's i have a friend that um uh, you know his wife and kids love the tri-tip because uh he can literally cut a piece off to feed them because they like medium and he likes medium rare so he literally cooks his uh, part of the tri-tip until it gets to the temperature he likes he cuts his piece off and then he puts the uh, other piece of uh try to pull there for for his wife to where it's cooked at medium so that way he's not sacrificing to eat his steak at medium he can eat his steak at medium rare versus uh having to cook it more for medium that makes sense so kind of like getting back i took us off track there but like getting us back like to the original question that he had it, it almost sounds like he was like asking for a stamp of approval is that something you like to do do you enjoy that what's your what's your level of sous vide How yeah i mean I, I love the sous vide but just because uh in all honestly i think sous vide is actually the best meal prep um situation that you can do if you like to meal prep and like you know be advanced with all your meals uh like there's a lot of people that meal prep so you can literally you know put your chicken and put it at a temperature of 140 and then turn around and take and put it in your refrigerator and then you know whenever you're ready to cook your chicken just cut you know put your cast iron skillet or your non-stick skillet or however you want to you cook your chicken but put it in the skillet put some butter or whatever you want to put and then just sear it on each side for three minutes and it's boomed uh already to 150. And from what I understood from the basic knowledge I gathered, when you sous vide originally, it's, it's next to impossible to screw up, right? Yes, because whenever you, you know, take that digital uh, thing or whatever you want to cook it at, and if it goes to 125, I promise you that meat's going to be at 125 when you take it out the back. Um, that's just because the sous vide is, 
makes that water run a certain temperature all the time. And if it's at 125 or 150 or whatever temperature you want to put it at, it's going to be cooking that meat at that particular temperature. Interesting. So the idea of the actual sous vide itself is the fact that it's vacuum sealed, you're sticking it down in some water and it's remaining at that temperature the whole time. Like, I guess, a dumb way to ask it, what's the advantage to that versus like throwing something on a grill or something else? Well, whenever you put, whenever you get a steak from LB's and you put it on your countertop and you get it room temperature, room temperature is going to be about, I don't know, 65, 70. Sure. Well, you got, you got to get that steak to 140 degrees, you know, so with that being said, you know, you're going to have to go direct heat really good on each side and then put it on the top rack and then put your meat thermometer through until it gets to the, you know, 130. Whenever you're sous vide you've already got that temperature at whatever you want. And then all you got to do is just do it two minutes on each side and you're ready to eat. So it's just kind of an advanced cooking for you to where you don't spend a lot of time over the grill or the, or the skillet. Is that a recent phenomenon or has that been around? Yeah, it's a recent phenomenon. Yes, it really is. Yeah. A lot of people like, uh, and you know, everybody wants, you know, not everybody has a vacuum seal machine. So, I mean, if you're doing meal prep and that sort of thing, you know, like you can come in and get all your stuff from LBs that's already vacuum sealed up. Uh, you know, you just put it in the water and let it cook. And then whenever you're ready to eat it, put it on the skillet for two minutes and you're good to go. Oh, so you do the vacuum sealing for people. Yeah, we see that's what we, you know, kind of base everything off of. We, you know, the original LBs was open for individual people, you know, just somebody that just wants to eat one chicken breast, you know, because sometimes you go to the grocery store and they don't sell just one chicken breast. You know, there's like four in a pack and you're like, well, I just want one. So um, that's kind of how the original LBs came about. But now we, uh, we do two chicken breasts per pack. Uh, we do two pork chops for a pack because, you know, just trying to uh, feed, you know, more than two people. And, you know, whenever you're cooking one pork chop, if you cook another one, you can go ahead and cook it, put it in your refrigerator and you can slice it, put on a salad or make a sandwich or however you want to do. So kind of knocking out two meals in one time. That makes sense. You just gave all that expertise, so I feel like I have to give some, throw something on the table. Oh, I, sound, I sounded really good, didn't I? Yeah, you did. That was that was a dynamite drop-in, and so I'm going to have to somehow follow that up. And the way I'm going to do it is, I when we were uh, when he when my girlfriend's dad was sous-viding everything this summer. Of course, I don't know anything, so I can't help. So I'm just standing around looking like the world's biggest idiot. Well, when we get all the meat out of the cooler. It's actually a bad idea to stick your hands directly into the 125 degree water barehanded and grab it out because it turns out that it's hot. So do not do that without protection. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if it's over 100 degrees, I mean, you can imagine. I mean, you've lived in Mississippi. You know how hot it is. It is hot. So I would recommend not doing that. That has been my contribution to Grill Corner this week. You well, I mean, it. now that you learn, you're good to go now on the next, the next cookout. I'm pretty much an expert. I actually described you in the newsletter today as uh, emerald with a microphone. I've got a, I've got a beard though. I did. I said emerald with the microphone and, and, and a horse <laughs> racing hobby. I think was the way I described oh, it. Oh man. Yeah. I'll leave me and my horses, man. I can't. <laughs> we got a, we got Kentucky Derby preview coming up here at the end. First though, our man needs a good grill recipe for salmon. Yeah. I mean, you know, salmon's very basic. You don't really want to get too fancy with it. Um, uh, uh, citrus is 
is always a really good friend of salmon. If you've got a fresh uh, lemon, slice that lemon thin and just set it on that, um, <clears throat> set it up on the, on the salmon and maybe do some salt and pepper, maybe some really nice olive oil and just kind of bake it. There's something, you know, you just don't, you know, you just don't want to get too fancy with it. Just basic is better on any sort of thing when it comes to fish because you really don't need to cook it that long because, you know, it doesn't need to be done medium well. That makes sense. What is, uh, so when you're ordering most of the time, if you're ordering salmon at a restaurant, like what's the most common way that comes? Are they throwing that on a grill? Yeah, I mean, I think that what they do is they do a uh, cast iron skillet with a lot of butter, a lot of garlic, uh, and then they just kind of uh, scoop the butter on top of it to where it just keep it's a constant motion. You, you know what I'm saying? Where the, the where they're scooping the hot butter on top of it to where that hot butter is actually cooking the fish, and the cast iron skillet isn't cooking the fish. It's just they're cooking from the top, and then you can also do. The, uh, the wood plank, you know, get you one of those cedar planks and just set it on there and, um, you know, put it on, uh, put it on the grill and just let that cedar plank cook it. What is your preferred, do you, how often do you eat salmon? Do you enjoy it? And what's your like preferred way to cook it? You know, you know, you'll, you'll think this is crazy. Um, I've had, uh, I think salmon is probably going to be one of our best sellers at LB's. It's, uh, it's, I think we probably sell. See, all our fish comes in fresh, so we like get sides and we prep it and we vacuum seal it individually and that sort of thing. We probably sell, I mean, I'm being generous with this number. I'd love to uh, uh, sit on my high horse and give a number that's outrageous, but I think we at least sell probably 30 sides of salmon a, a week at LB's. Wow, and so when you're getting that in, this is another dumb question. But like salmon is always something I've associated with fly fishing somewhere out west. Is that predominantly where you get it, or can you? That, that that's actually called a either a king or a sockeye salmon okay. that has that little hook on it. This is going to be wild called uh, Atlantic salmon. So uh, two different things. Uh, I would prefer. I mean, the salmon that we get. I mean, I literally have so many people that come in and just get the salmon alone, and I'm like, you know, we sell steaks. You know, we. Uh, we <laughs> We sell some salt, like Zach just got done making 150 pounds of sausage. So would you like to try some salt? You know, it's just like, I just want three pieces of salmon, you know? So, uh, but it's just cool because I mean, we all, we have, I mean, that's what's kind of unique about LBs is we have a lot of uh, different style customers. Whenever we had the plate lunch going, I mean, we had a plate lunch customer base that just strictly came in to get the plate lunch. And then we also have, you know, customers that just strictly come in and get seafood. So, um, it's, it's a unique place. And, uh, you know, like I said, just another, uh, another store that just needs to be everywhere in the world, honestly. Absolutely. I mean, that's why you should go to LB's cause you can pick your own favorites and it's always going to be there. What's, uh, what's your favorite? This is, this is not a listener question. I just thought of this on the spot. What is your favorite cut of fish? Uh, man, man, there's so many, um, we, um, we get a, uh, swordfish and swordfish is good. It's very, it's like a, very dense fish but there's a pumpkin swordfish that you know whenever they catch it and they cut into it that's when they find out that it's a swordfish so i mean a pumpkin swordfish but it almost tastes like a pork chop i mean it's real dense i like um there's a uh snowy grouper that we get that's really really nice uh what we do is we take the skin off because the skin is very thick 
So, uh, man, I mean, I don't know if you've had a fried grouper sandwich uh, with some homemade coleslaw and uh, like a mango pico de gallo on top of it with like a uh, little comeback sauce, but I highly recommend it. So <laughs> that sounds just, awesome. What yeah, is right? the pumpkin salmon? Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know if it's diet or if it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll have to, I'll have to Google that whenever we hang up the phone and uh, figure that out. But it's just, uh, they're huge fish, huge fish. But uh, whenever we get the fresh sushi grade tuna in, I literally like take a, like take a slice off of it and just literally put some Hoover sauce and some kosher salt and just eat it raw. It's, uh, it's so good too, but there's a lot of fishes that are, that are nice. I have a, uh, it's my thing is whenever we're ordering fish, we have to order things that they're familiar with. Like if you've never heard of triple tail or, uh, triple tail or, um, or, uh, or halibut or something like that. So I've got to be very, you know, essential with my, with my ordering. And I just have to say, snapper grouper redfish you know amberjack just because they're very familiar with it yeah no i that's interesting so where like what how do you decide what you're get? what kind of fish you're getting in the store like on a week like do you kind of have to stick with the state i go and, I, I go and look out? at the free yeah i go and look at the deep freezer that we give two dollars off to all our fresh fish that comes in and my essential fish that i always carry and i always try to have are uh salmon Redfish, grouper, snapper, mahi, amberjack, tuna, halibut, and always try to have uh, scallops. And uh, I've been whenever Louisiana crawfish tails are available, we usually get those also. So it's just you know because everybody's familiar with those those fish that I just named off. Sure, even a dummy like me is familiar with that. Check it out. Uh, Two dollars off all the fresh fish in the deep freezer like you said i think i put that in the newsletter yesterday and today as well the next one we have is from Corey clark who says i knew this answer i knew the answer to this as soon as he asked it you answered it a little bit for him but he says has greg ever gotten into the boudin game yeah uh we actually um our uh zach's gonna make some boudin we're gonna make some regular port boudin like we always make um our boudin is very basic uh we don't do chicken hearts like most uh, Louisiana-style uh, boudins have. Uh, sorry, I hate to uh, be the bearer of bad news that people didn't know that. But, yes, chicken hearts is one of the main uh, ingredients in boudin uh, down in southern Louisiana. But we don't use chicken hearts. We use uh, Duroc pork and fresh rice. And uh, Zach uh, does a pork boudin, and we do a crawfish boudin also. So. The crawfish boudin is the exact same thing as the pork boudin, but it has about 10 pounds of crawfish tails in it. And he adds, adds a little jalapeno flake, a little bit more paprika to kind of give it a little kicky kick. So it's really good. Damn, that does sound good. And this sounds like something that you could have a decent bit of variety in terms of the way you make it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, basically what it is is a boudin is a pork and rice casserole. And so the rice is already cooked, the meat's already cooked, and the only thing you're having to cook is the sausage casing. So with that being said, we can do a um, – I was thinking about doing um, – I can get some lamb stew meat. So I was thinking about putting some lamb into the boudin and making some, uh, you know, some boudin with lamb. So, I mean, 
I don't know, but yeah, you can do a lot of different things. You know, that's why we do the crawfish because that way we have a regular port boot in and we have a seafood boot in. That sounds awesome. And so when you say you're making boudin, like I guess the most common thing I'm thinking of is boudin balls. But like when you're done making boudin, does it just like, what does that go to? How does it look and how do you sell it? Uh, we put, we actually link it. And then uh, after the fourth day, we will go ahead and smoke it. Uh, I can uh, get Zach to uh, vacuum seal it up in little pound packages to where you can go home and make your own boudin balls with LBs as boudin. So that's the option that you also do with boudin. So, but yeah, we, uh, we'd make it fresh. And then what we do is uh, sometimes I'm do a stuffed mushroom with uh, boudin. And then also I do a uh, stuffed pork chop with boudin. So there's a lot of different things, but what it basically is, is it just basically a pork and rice casserole that's already cooked. We're just making it in a sausage form. Is that something people from Louisiana invented? Because you mentioned the original ingredient is pig hearts. And while that might sound disgusting to some people, it does to me as well. It is not surprising by any stretch of the imagination because those people are psychos. Like, is that something that originated there or is it? A I mean, not necessarily psychos, but like uh, whenever uh, you broke down a whole pig or broke down a whole cow, I mean, you kind of want to try to take advantage of as much as possible with that animal because you're trying to feed as many people as possible with it. So, um, you know, the femur bones out of the, um, you know, the big femur bones in the back of a cow, I mean, that literally can be stewed down to make uh, beef stew because of the uh, marrow in the, in the femur bones. So uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I, I don't mess with intestines or whatever, whatnot, you know, the extracurricular activity that goes on with the animal, but um, I just sell the goods. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> a lot of ways you could go with that one. We'll just head, transition into the duck-related question. How raw should duck be? Is that a real one? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, I think our Maryland friends up there were having fun with it because uh, Chris uh, likes to cook everything uh, a little more medium-rare to rare. So, uh with that being said, you know, duck is actually something that you can eat medium rare. What I recommend on our duck poppers, uh, which uh, Dan uh, said that I gave him a whole box of stuff and the only thing he ate were the duck poppers. And I was like, man, I was like, out of all the things that I gave you, the only thing you can think about is the duck poppers. So what we do is we take a, uh, a, a duck breast, we take the fat off, we marinate the duck breast and then we wrap it in bacon. And so whenever you're trying to cook that, you just kind of want to low and slow it. You can eat duck medium rare, unlike chicken. So it's uh, really good stuff actually. And uh, that duck popper, once that bacon gets really good and crisp is actually uh, a really good appetizer. So you can eat duck medium rare or you can, you know, smoke whole ducks and kind of do that Peking style duck, you know, like you see where, um, I don't know where the ducks are hanging, you know, from, you know, down. Like that's, that's a Peking style duck. I've had duck poppers numerous times because I've lived in a house with a couple guys, I guess on two different houses I lived with in college and right out of college who were big duck hunters. So duck poppers are awesome. What is kind of another way, give me a couple of popular ways to cook duck and like dishes to make out of duck. Cause I got duck poppers down. I know those are very, very good. What's kind of another popular way to eat it? I mean, you can actually make a, a chicken pot pie with duck, you know, just stew, you know, boil the, the whole duck down 
and you know and get your broth and everything like that and then just pull the pull the meat off but uh peking style duck is going to be your most popular whole duck recipe uh i'm it's a chinese recipe where it's like smoked and it, it's uh it's pretty popular but uh i would say peking style duck is going to be your most popular duck recipe peking style what does that entail um they it's uh i think they marinate it in you know the red sauce where you dip your yeah. uh egg roll in Ooh. i think that i think they smoke it or like kind of braise it like that how do you have duck? Is duck something you regularly have at LBs, or is that kind I of? Mean, I mean, I have duck poppers, and I will always have uh, flying pig sausage. I, I can order whole duck. I have ordered whole duck before, and literally nobody came and got it. So uh, I have no problem with ordering whole duck. You just got to call me in advance, and I'll get it for you. Awesome! You heard it first there. Your uh, buddies from Maryland were having some fun. One of them dropped a quote about bacon, but that did spawn a question from my own brain about bacon. Obviously, there's people out there that'll put bacon on anything on earth. What are your thoughts on putting bacon as an accessory to things you cook with? Obviously, bacon wrap fillets you have going on, uh, which I found awesome. Like, how often do you use that personally, and how much stuff is it on with L uh, in LBs? Um, you know, I. I'll, um, I'll give you a little tidbit on the bacon. Uh, we go through probably 50 pounds, if not 60 pounds of bacon a week at LB. Good Lord. Uh, we have, uh, of course, we have the jalapeno poppers, which is uh, a gutted jalapeno with our uh, cream cheese and our uh, house seasoning, and then we wrap it in bacon. And then we've got the uh, asparagus wrapped in bacon, and then we've got bacon wrapped boneless pork chops, uh, we've got the Lane Train, which is the five to six ounce bacon wrap filet. Uh, we've got um, smoky bacon cheeseburgers where we double smoke bacon and then grind it up in the beef. So we, uh, so we have a, yeah, man, uh, I, would, I, I would be scared about uh, not having bacon. You know, the duck poppers are wrapped in bacon. But yeah, uh, we, uh, I actually... I used to do a uh, bacon wrap pork loin that was stuffed with uh, boudin sausage. Oh yeah, it was pretty serious. But I just wish I had time to do you know those special things that I had time to do. But we've been so busy lately, and it's just uh, really awesome that our business has expanded out. And uh, you know because people are just finding out about LBs, and whenever you walk into LBs and you get a chicken breast and you go home and cook it it tastes like a real chicken breast and that's why you come back because man, you know, not to knock Sanderson farms and I know they're trying to do their best with the situation, but if you get one of those pound and a half chicken breasts from Sanderson farms, it takes you like, I don't know, an hour to cook, you know, like a chick, like God made a chicken to be equal parts of the breast and the thigh. So with that being said, when we, we serve, you know, six to seven ounce chicken breast so that's uh that's what that's what you're supposed to be eating you can knock whoever on this podcast i'm fully of the opinion that we should just start a meat rivalry with everyone else that sells it in the state and come at us but yeah i'm all about it yeah i mean be that it. hey have you ever met anyone that doesn't like bacon i keep trying to find to meet that person that's why i don't understand pita it's like your crusade i get all of that but at the same time, at the end of the day, have you ever met a single person that does not enjoy bacon? Because the next one I meet will be the first. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it would be hard for me not to like bacon because, I mean, unless you, 
uh, if you get the meat, if you get bit by the meat tick, are you is bacon out, or is it just beef? Yeah, you know I've wondered body? this before. So what, refresh me on how the meat tick works, because there's a type <sighs> of tick you can get bit by where you can't eat. Is it red meat or just any meat? Um, man, I've uh, I did the Google on the meat, uh, the best digital meat thermometer. I did my Google search on the wood. I didn't do my Google search on the, on this topic. Um, uh, I think if it's if it doesn't swim, you're allergic to it. I think that might be it. So I just googled meat tick, and we're got to go to the Mayo Clinic. Thank you, thank you. Shit, I'm sitting here googling uh, who's the favorite of the uh, Kentucky Derby, so I can at least know what I'm uh, talking about when we come to the Derby question. Yeah, so I, I'm just you know, and I'm I, I'm a doctor, uh, so we will uh, we'll diagnose what exactly this is via the, the Mayo Clinic. So it's a recently identified type of food allergy to red meat and other products made from mammals. So it sounds like red meat and assortment of other. Sounds like you're just screwed if you get bit by this. Yeah, thing. you're screwed. You're screwed. That's tough one. Where do those things reside? Like I, I don't want to. You know, I'm asking. Oh, I, I had one guy come in and he told me, and I was like, "So where were you?" And so I literally like tried to like envision my head where he was and just exit out of my mind and be like, "I never want to go there." Wait, so you had a guy come into LB's that had the meat tick deal. What did he Oh yeah, he on? had to get he had to get spinach and cheese mushrooms and a piece of salmon. And that's a lifetime thing? Yeah, I mean I, I mean like oh, I said, God. I think it's bad. I don't want to have this oh, podcast take no. a dark turn, but that would be tough to overcome. Oh man, there's no I mean like can you imagine saying, Oh, I'm gonna go on the keto diet? Yeah, I mean, I guess you have no other choice. What are the, like, did you ask, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know, I guess you didn't play 20 questions with your customer that got bit by the meat tick, but like, what happened, What are the consequences if you eat it anyway? Yeah, no, I think he said like his throat like swells up and like he's gasping for air and has to, oh yeah, I mean, it sounded terrible. That is, I mean, I just felt bad that he was in the store, you know, and I was just like, because everybody comes in and gets mushrooms and jalapeno poppers, which there's no problem. I have no problem with that. But, like, I'm always like, would you like a steak with your spinach and cheese mushrooms? And then I got the answer, like, hey, man, I got bit by the steak. I, I'm by the tick. I can't, I can't do it. You know, I'm like, damn, I'm sorry. Like, I really felt bad. That is odd. That's a very unfortunate and unfortunate happening. Like when you get bit by a tick, you probably think, oh, whatever, this will be a pain in the ass. But that's that's a tough one. I uh, yeah. talk to that guy for still walking into a meat market and uh, and, you know, frequenting the meat market even though he's got the the tick deal. That's uh, that's some real. I just thing. felt bad for the guy that he had to just walk in the meat market. And the only thing he could get was spinach and cheese mushrooms. Yeah, that that's a tough one. I'm not even sure what I would do if that was. If that was the case, the last question we have, I believe, is from another uh, another Maryland patron. It is, what is the best Bluetooth thermometer? How do those work? Well, uh, I mean, I see. I'm so glad that Google uh, was responsive today. So, I, you know, I'm not a digital Bluetooth thermometer kind of guy. You know, us here in Mississippi, you know, we know we we have to work with it. You know, so. Uh, if you, if you don't know what to, don't know how to work with it, then, uh, that's your own personal fault. So with that being said, uh, the top three, uh, digital Bluetooth digital markers are is the meat, the meter plus is the number one. 
and obviously he could probably Google this and get the answer uh, with me saying this, but the ink bird, the IBT ink bird is a very good one. And the grill eye too is a very good one. And then the actual uh, Weber has a really good one. It's called the grill one. So uh, I had to Google that. So uh, I just wanted to uh, at least sound like I know what I'm talking about because uh, with that being said, no, I, I'm not a Bluetooth uh, meat thermometer kind of guy. There we go. Greg Siri Jones. What is what is the advantage of the Bluetooth thermometer as opposed to, I mean, is it just because you don't so have you can to sit, sit on, so, so you can sit in your fancy recliner and watch TV and look on your phone and not have to go out and look at your uh, grill like a man? I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm not trying to take a shot, but, man, uh, I, 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 the whole point of uh, – standing behind a grill is uh you know flipping your meat and drinking a beer and you know i don't know i i, I just think it's a just a manly thing to do i don't want to yes. like put i don't want to put my meat on the grill and then inject it and be like okay i gotta make sure it's uh tipped right yeah that's a that's a very 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 21st century invention obviously the bluetooth oh, yeah. thermometer i've never heard of that but that is so perfectly I wonder if you got a bunch of dudes in Silicon Valley that have been doing that since like late 2000s. Yeah, I mean, you saw that video of Mark Zuckerberg. He's like, we're going to smoke some meats. Like, I've not seen this video, but it sounds as cringe cringeworthy as you're making it sound. Yeah. So we're, we got some meats today and we're going to smoke them. I'm not fully convinced that Mark Zuckerberg's a human. I'm still crafting that theory. I don't want to fully break it out on the podcast. I'm still workshopping it, but I think he could be some kind of alternative robot that we have not seen that Facebook made in the lab a while back. But I'll bust that theory out another time. I think that's all the Grill Corner questions we had. I appreciate everyone participating. Again, That was uh, I learned something once again. So uh, these Grill Corners are just becoming very educational for me. At a certain point, once we do five or six of these, I might know how to turn a grill on. I'm just kidding. I oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you just wait for the click, and then once the click goes, I think the flame comes. Oh, we got a one more late submission. Uh, Thad Varner, longtime listener to the podcast, good friend of mine, beat the buzzer by two seconds, we'll say. Conservative two seconds. We'll have to go to the monitor. Does, does he have a prediction for the Kentucky Derby? He does not. He's having oh. a real question for the expert himself. So he needs one last bit of wisdom before we get okay, to the Okay, okay, hold on. Let me drink my let – me, let me take a big swig. I'm ready. All right, this has got to be your strongest advice yet. Favorite flank steak recipe. Go. Man, that's a tough call, you know, because there are so many good flank steaks that, you know, honestly, since we've talked so much about the sous vide, you can um, slice some onions, some bell peppers, some limes, some lemons, and you can vacuum seal it up with a flank steak and cook it at like 120 degrees and then char that steak on each side on that onions and bell peppers and then make that make that make it like that or what you can do is do the flanks uh the ribeye cap i don't know if you've ever had a ribeye cap very similar to flank steak kind of a thin cut you can do that ribeye cap and just char it on each side slice it and put it with onions and bell peppers best thing ever what kind of cut is a flank steak like what makes that like, where, where is that? Uh, it's the inside from? flap of the rib cage, kind of like this, like kind of the skirt steak and the hanger steak is like something that hangs down from the ribs. So it's on like the back side. 
I got you. What is uh, I mean, I should screenshot a uh, uh, the picture of uh, where every cut comes from, everything off the cow, and then we post it, and then like we'll let people have a free for all. We're like, hey, what would you do with this? What would you do with that? Oh, I'm still looking at it, and I and I'm looking at it, and I still don't understand. So, like, take me back to like tenth grade biology, I guess, or maybe I'm just dumb. But I, I learned a little bit off of this said Google photo, but not everything. So, are yeah, you I mean, like I said, you can you can tell the 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 back shoulders, the rump roast, and everything. The roast, I mean, that's a tougher piece of meat because you know the cow had to use those muscles in that meat to you know make sure it walked around properly. So, like. Whenever you see the sirloin and the tenderloin, like not a lot of stress goes on that part of the cow. So that's why it's a little bit tender. I got you. So that'll uh that'll that'll do it for Grill Corner. I appreciate everyone's submissions. If you if you, submissions, if you listen and did not get one in, be sure to get one in next time. We're obviously gonna do this again sometime soon. Now to the main I mean, are, we, are we about to make money? Is this what is this what's about to happen? That is but, correct. That's uh, that's what we in the biz call a tease. It's uh Kentucky Derby weekend, big weekend for horse racing. Is like I know Kentucky, it's kind of like the Masters. It has all like the, the cloud and like the pageantry in terms of horse racing, but is it actually the biggest horse race? Um, yeah, well, I think so, because it's the start of the triple crown. So and uh you know, man, uh, I heard it gets rowdy in the infield at, at, at uh, Churchill Downs, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I've been a part of it, but I'm, I haven't. But uh, I think it's a, it would be a good time and uh, something that I would think uh, people need to probably check it off and say, you know, uh, uh, supposedly this year the Kentucky Oats, which is all females running, um, they've got a really, really solid field and uh, – uh, I've heard uh, Kentucky Do Oaks weekend is it, day is going to be the best day, but um, there's some really really good um, really good horses playing, running in the Derby this year, and uh, it should be a really fun time. But I like I highly recommend it if you've never been to a horse race. You know, just go to Oakland Park whenever they're running, and uh, go to Rockies and eat you a pizza and hang out, and uh, you know just enjoy your situation. So you mentioned the, the the first day of it being all females. Is the this is another dumb question? Is the Kentucky Derby itself male and female, or just male horses? No, just male horses. Uh, this the best two year old colts in the country. They have to be right. two years old. Uh, yeah, they have to be two year. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I'm hoping I said that right, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because what do older and younger horses do. Uh, they actually have G2s, G1s, and G3s uh, of, like, stakes races for them. So She Dares the Devil, who won last year's Kentucky Oats, and, they, and she won – I forgot what race she won at Oakline that I went and watched. Um, she is actually running in this, this weekend in, like, a G2 or something like that. So um, it's it, – it, man – it's almost yeah. It, it, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with the horse racing. So, I highly recommend it for people to get into. So, in terms of the actual derby itself, what are your leans? What do you like? And then the second part of that, uh, what are, do you have any personal ties going in? Floor is yours. Uh, well, I mean, you know, last year uh, before I got 
you know, totally invested in the horse racing. Uh, I owned uh, Authentic with MyRaceHorse.com, which um, not going to talk bad about them because, you know, I, I have a picture with my name and everything. But um, there's other options that you can go with owning a horse and, you know, getting action and that sort of thing. So uh, last year I had Authentic and it was great. And I didn't think that he would close or dig in like he did to beat tis the law but with that being said he did and uh he actually became a super horse and he won the breeders cup classic and um, had a really really good year but there's a lot of really good horses in this race and uh you know a lot of good feel good stories uh with that being said i mean i'll just i mean there's 20 horses so i'm not going to go through all 20 horses because i'm pretty sure everybody's already you know uh logged off and stop listening to the podcast. So with that being said, we're just going to make it very short and sweet. Um, with that being said, I like the 14 horse. Don't get me wrong. I think essential quality is a uh, top, you know, is, is a, a rightful favorite. He hasn't lost a race. Uh, I actually got to see him run in Oakland in the slop and just, you know, what a horse. I mean, I couldn't imagine owning a horse like this. So I'm just going to, uh, with that being said, I'm going to try to beat him. Um, I, I, I don't, um, like laying chalk, especially when he's, uh, even money or five to two. So I think there's a lot of really good value out there. Uh, essential quality, his last race, he actually, uh, went head to head with highly motivated the 17 horse, um, you know, uh, Chad Brown is, uh, is a good trainer and, uh, he knows his horses and, uh, you know, so I wouldn't, uh, not put, um, uh, highly motivated in your exacta box. So, uh, with that being said, the 14, the 17, they're both really strong, hard not to bet them. But with that being said, I really like, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I like the six horse and I really like, uh, Hot Rod Charlie, the nine horse. Um, Hot Rod Charlie actually won the Louisiana Derby. Uh, I don't think a Louisiana Derby can, uh, winner has won the Kentucky Derby since 1996. And uh, that's a long time. Uh, with that being said, Obasus, um, you know, Orb, who is a Kentucky Derby champion, you know, he came really, really strong uh, to finish uh, in third place in the Louisiana Derby. So uh, he's a closer. So with that being said, you just want to uh, group your closers together. Your closers are going to be the five horse, the six horse, the 18 horse, and the 20 horse. Um, I'm going to just do a little uh, tidbit on the 20 horse right here. Bourbonic, um, you know, Carmouche uh, uh, is a great jockey. He's going to be the first uh, African-American jockey to run in the Kentucky Derby. So uh, it's a really good field story. Uh, I really like Bourbonic a lot, but I just I think early speed is going to hold up in this race. And uh, with that being said, I think your closers are going to run out of time to get there. And your closers are going to be uh, Obasis, uh, St. Hood, uh, Bourbonic, and uh, who was the other? Uh, oh, Superstock, who uh, Superstock knocked off um, Concert Tour, which is uh, Bob Baffert's best horse. And, you know, whenever uh, people think about Kentucky Derbies and Preakness and uh, other, other high-end races, they think of Bob Baffert. Well, Bob Baffert, the only horse he's going to have is Medina Spirit in this race. 
I, I you know, I, I like Medina's spirit, but you know, uh, it depends on how much juice he's uh, going to put in her, you know, so w- put in him. So with that being said, you know, Bob just got, uh, got a little hot, hot uh, press on the other day about uh, his uh, training ways. So with that being said, uh, I'm just off Bob after this, uh, this race. With that being said, I, I really like the 11 horse dynamic one. He really, he had a really good race in the, in the wood Memorial uh, with that. He, he got clipped by uh, Burbonic, who was the closer, you know, dynamic the one did the, um, did all the work. And then, you know, as he gets to the line, Burbonic closes on him and wins. So another horse I would like to, uh, you would like to uh, get in on is Midnight Bourbon. Um, I, I really like Midnight Bourbon, and uh, I know that there was a video circling around on Twitter saying that he was acting up in the paddock. And well, there's a reason why he was acting up in the paddock because he's ready to run. So, with that being said, you, you know, you look at a horse that's ready to run and you want to bet him. So, I like Midnight Bourbon. There's another horse I really like also. The 15 horse rock your world, man. What a great horse. He literally got off the, uh, got off the bus from California. He took about 10 steps, looked around and, you know, gave, you know, marked his territory. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, rock your world, you know, takes down uh, essential quality, but it should be a really good race. I mean, you know, if people don't aren't into horse racing, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's okay. But, Take a shot on naming whatever horse you like the name of or whatnot. Put, you know, $20 on it. It's the best two minutes that you'll ever experience. And if your horse wins, he wins, you know. So there's a a little small review on what I got. So uh, there is some other horses that are pretty good sleepers that you can make some money off of. But, but yeah, that's about the best I can do on the uh, cliff notes on the uh, Kentucky Derby this year. I had a really great question prepared, but then it just got completely sidetracked when you mentioned Rocker World. You said he got off from California and marked his territory. So he got out from California. Did he take a shit? What? What? How did? No, that- I mean, like he just like you know, like looked around and just. I mean, just he he showed up with like maybe LeBron James at Game Seven. Like he, this is what he's here to do, and he's going to win this race. Like I the, love uh, that. There, there. Yeah, I mean, so you might like Rock Your World. I just, I mean, there's, there, there's, um, it's horses are crazy, man. Like I literally, there's two people that I know that literally can watch a post parade of the horses come out of the paddock and how they walk and how they carry themselves and be like, hey, that horse is gonna win, you know? Like he doesn't have to look at a spreadsheet or anything. So like. Uh, you, you, you bet on uh, body demeanor and everything, but there's so many good horses. I mean, this is 20 of the best horses that, you know, that are running right now. So with that being said, you know, I, if, if, if you're just tuning in and you're just wanting to put some action on it, I would just say if you want to take a long shot, I mean, I'd go with a six horse. So basis, he looks good. His workouts have been really solid. Um, he closed really good in the Louisiana Derby. Yes, the Louisiana Derby hasn't had a champion since 1996. Midnight uh, Hot Rod Charlie is the one that won the Louisiana Derby. I like Hot Rod Charlie a lot. It's hard for me not to uh, bet on Hot Rod Charlie, but 
I think Midnight Bourbon, I mean, uh, that's just – there's some really decent odds with him. But um, you just uh, you just got to hope those closers have enough time to get there. If the pace is early and often, you know, uh, you, you're, you're sitting good with the closers. But if the pace is, like, slow and uh, the, the closers are back there, then it's not a turf race. It's a dirt race. So, um, without, with that being said, I'm just going to give it out right now. I think essential quality is just too good. Um, I don't want to bet essential quality because I'm not going to make a lot of money on the essential quality. But I think Rock Your World uh, has the chance to literally take them off. Um, I really like Highly Motivated, and I really like Midnight Berman. You can get a really decent price at 20 to 1 with him. I don't know if he's going to go off at 20 to 1 whenever it goes off, but I think there's some good there's some good uh, value there, and I think Obesos is a really good one. So, with that being said, uh, Dianet One is another good one. But you know, just just have fun with it. You know, bet your favorite name or bet whatever you want. But you know, tune into it. It's a, it's really good stuff, and I think you'll enjoy it. You just gave a very detailed breakdown of which I like obviously understood most of it in terms of what you're saying, but in terms of having heard of the horses, not as much. So I think the natural question for probably some casual horse racing fans out there is one, how do you qualify for the Kentucky Derby? And two, when you're evaluating horses, like how big is the pool that you're evaluating from? Like, how have you seen all these horses? How does it work to lead up to the best 22 year olds in the world? Like you just mentioned, like, how does that happen? So uh, there's pre-race for the Kentucky Derby. The Arkansas Derby is uh, one of the pre-races, and everything's based off the point scale. So with that being said, the uh, the Tampa Bay Derby is a uh, – I think it's a 50-point uh, point. And Helium, the 12 horse, won that race, and I think he got 60 or 50 points from that race. So, like, he got in. Uh, Obesos, he finished third in the Louisiana Derby. I think he got uh, 40 points for that. And uh, he had a – there was a, a Karata River uh, scratch, so he got in because of some a horse scratching. So there's a, a point system kind of like – I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that it's just like the, the uh, NCAA playoff, but it's not. But, like, there's certain races that are pre – pre-races for the Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Derby that makes you qualify for one through 20 of how many points, how many Kentucky Derby points you got in that race. So with that being said, essential quality is number one on the Derby points lift because he hasn't lost a race yet. He won the, I don't know, I think it was the Southwest that he won in Oakland. And then he actually just won the Kentucky Bluegrass at Keeneland. So I think that was a 100-point race. So um, I'm trying to think who who, – oh, um, highly motivated, finished second in the Bluegrass. So he got like 50 points. So it's just basically a point scale of how you get into the tournament via races that are in Kentucky – and in, in Arkansas and other in loca- other locations like Tampa, and they basically all they have all of this time to pretty much work up for a year of racing. You mentioned as a two, you know, as a yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. Hot Rod Charlie, um, Hot Rod Charlie was a ninety-four to one shot in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile 
which he got beat by um, Essential Quality, which, you know, like there are certain horses that have gotten beat by certain horses in certain races. I'm not sitting here taking away from anything from Hot Rod Charlie, but um, Essential Quality closed in that race and closed really well. And, uh, you know, that's a, um, that's a Kingland Breeders' Cup race. I mean, that's a big race that Essential Quality won. So it was kind of like a pre, pre-race to the Derby, you know. Like these horses are legit candidates for running in the Kentucky Derby next year. So um, I'm just saying Hot Rod Charlie ran a really good race in the Louisiana Derby. Do I think he has what he, ha- what he can with the, to beat Essential Quality? You know, anybody has their own day on any race, you know, and it's uh, – you can think of uh, back back when when uh, Giacomo. Giacomo was the longest shot to win the Kentucky Derby. Nobody had Giacomo, and Giacomo won. So, it's just anything can happen, you know. So, it's uh, – it's, that's what's really cool about the horse racing because uh, they're all athletes, and some athletes like particular tracks, and some people like particular darts, and – uh, whenever a horse get, wakes up and he feels good, he's going to run a big race. So I think it's just always really fun to watch. Check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg carried this podcast once again between the grill corn and the horse racing. All I did was feed you dumb questions. I appreciate this, man. This was great. Yeah, as always, man. And, and like, uh, your parents came in the other day and uh, got to meet your your mom and dad, and they were really nice people. And uh, obviously your mom is a big fan of the show, so I hooked them up with a little care package. So uh, just really cool. And uh, I've had a lot of people come in the store and say that, you know, Rippy's awesome. And I was like, good, because I'll stop talking, you know. So, uh, <laughs> I've had people said, lie to you in there as they take the, the discounted meats. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't take – I mean, can't you – why, why not take advantage of a $10, 16-ounce prime strip from LB? So uh, I've had a bunch of people come in, and I, I try to plug it as much as possible because, you know, we're unique. We're, we're not the standard basic podcast, and, uh, you know, not everybody wants to hear about horse racing, but, you know, it's really cool to hear something different. For sure, dude. And the ones that do get awesome meats, I appreciate it. My, my Yeah, my mom texted me. She started blowing up my phone on Saturday, and I was like, Jesus, what did I do now? And all of a sudden, it's just a picture of you standing in front of somewhere at LB's. And I was like, look at my – she gave me another picture. like, look at my care package. I was like, great. Greg has hooked everyone up. But the next time – apparently, this was a snuck-in photo because I told you before we started recording, and my mom asked you to take another photo, tell her to kick rocks. <laughs> no your mom's your mom's cool and uh so is your dad so you know, like i said whenever people come in and mention the podcast and they mention that they've listened to our podcast it just you know it's a kind of makes everybody feel good all around because i mean it's a it's cool to talk about you know stuff that's uh different you know and it's uh cool to just be a part about it be a part of it Absolutely. We appreciate your partnership as always. You know that, dude. I, uh, I'm coming to Oxford, I think, in a few weeks. I'll uh, hopefully see you soon. I appreciate it as always. And we'll do this again in a week or so. Yeah, just ask me and I'll, bring, I'll make an individual chicken spaghetti, individual pasta salad, just like Maneri wanted. I'll yes, I would like up. each strand of spaghetti in individual boxes. So go ahead gotcha. and start on that for when I get there in a month or so. Well, just ask me if you want cheese melted or not. Check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Appreciate Greg as always. And everybody have a safe and happy Wednesday.